TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. It's the Score North Twin Show. And it's time again for the Score North Twin Show with Judd Zolgad, Jake DePue. As always, we record these suckers on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And uh, the Minnesota Twins now, Jake, nearing the end of the regular season portion of their schedule. They have five games left. We're recording this on Tuesday. So they have uh, games Tuesday and Wednesday against the Tigers at Target Field. They're off on Thursday, and then they're going to conclude the regular season with a three-game set against the Reds Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Let me start you off with this thought. So the, the Twins, as we record this right now, are a game and a half behind the White Sox for first place in the Central Division, and they have pulled, I think, a game and a half clear, correct, of the Yankees, who are fifth in the wild card or in the overall, I should say, seedings race. I believe... If it was me personally, I believe the Twins should be doing everything they can possibly to win this division and get clear of having to play the Yankees in the first round. I would be treating these next five games like they were playoff games. I I would tell my players, we're going to ramp up the environment right now. Um, If we can play somebody besides the Yankees in the first round, home or away, that's just a good thing. That's what I would say. I have a feeling that Rocco Baldelli will not be saying that to his players. And I have a feeling that the Twins might not treat these last five games in the regular season quite as seriously as I would. What's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't sound like it uh, based on what Derek Falvey said the other day. You know, he basically talked about how, you know, the games are important, but they're going to uh, really prioritize health over winning um, going into the into the postseason. And, it, of course, you want your guys healthy, but I agree with you. I, I think – these games really matter because you want to avoid the Yankees uh, really at all costs. And the division is now within reach one and a half out. I know you lose the tiebreaker to the white Sox, but one and a half out, you can make that up, you know, with a good stretch. If they go four and one or five and oh on this homestand, uh, you could win the division. Um, and even if you don't, you could get home field against the Yankees, which I do think matters. Uh, so I would really, you know, it's not like I'd be starting Kenta Maeda on Sunday, you know, right before the playoffs, right. but, but right. I would be um, more aggressive. You know, I, I don't, so the Twins are starting Homer Bailey tonight. Uh, they just activated him. And I don't really – like, what's the point, you know? Like, is he going to start in the playoffs? No. Is he going to be on the playoff roster? I mean, I, it maybe, but, like, who are you – like, is he going to be pitching high leverage innings? You're not going to pitch Homer Bailey in the 7th or the 8th of a one-run game over, you know, Tyler Duffy, uh, May, even guys like Clippard. So, like, I, I, I figured they'd just DFA – uh, Homer Bailey once he was healthy. I, I don't understand the move at all. Um, I would really consider calling up a, a, a top prospect like Jordan Belazovic, um, Jahan Duran, or Dakota Chalmers to, to start winning these games and see what they have. Uh, and if you look at what the White Sox did, so there's a guy named Garrett Crochet. He was their first-round pick this year. This year, 2020, first-round pick. They called him up. He's a pitcher. They called him up, and there's just an article on MLB.com saying there's a, good, a decent chance he's going to be on the playoff roster. That is the type of aggression that I love. And the Twins have these arms, including Belazovic, who's their top pitching prospect, who's in St. Paul. They could call him up and see what he has. You know, it, you don't ha- it's not a guarantee that he'd be on the playoff roster, but call him up and see what he's got. I, I certainly would be more excited about that than Homer Bailey, and I think that's a more aggressive move. And if you want to beat the Yankees or win this division, I think you have to get really aggressive and, and take some risks. Yeah, I don't know, like flat out now, Jake, I don't know that Rocco and this team in general has the sense of urgency 
that most of us do. They just sort of don't. And, and I don't know if, if that's going to cost them or, or not. But yeah, like the Bailey thing to me is, okay, you're trying to see what you have, but this game is important to me tonight. Like these last five games, if, if you can get clear of the Yankees, get clear, get out of there. Like yes. you've got, you've lost 16 consecutive, as we talked about last week, postseason games, okay? I would far prefer, and I believe 13 of those 16 defeats are to the Yankees. Three of them were in 2006 against Oakland. I would much prefer to end that skid against somebody else and get my footing in that first round at home. And then, look, if I have to go to the bubble and play the Yankees, ultimately, I have to do that. But I would be looking at this as a real opportunity now with, I think the White Sox have lost two consecutive games, as an opportunity to change my seating. Uh, and that would be above and beyond me trying to see, well, can Bailey come back? Can he not come back? I mean, I get what they're doing ultimately. I just don't fundamentally agree with, with doing that right now. Look, if this were May or June, I don't care. Start Homer Bailey. Find out. Perhaps you get two good, decent months. But it's not. And I just think that we started off this show in July probably talking about the fact that we were going to see how Baldelli and the Twins operated during a time of a sense of urgency, and we've gotten our answer, and it's largely not how I think the majority of us would choose to operate. Now, if this is 162 and things go back to normal in 2021, perhaps I think differently, but everything about this uh, consolidated season has been based on how urgent are you to get somewhere? And this Twins team, don't get me wrong, it's still, it's still good. It's very good. Uh, but all that being said, when you've looked at how did you operate today, it's essentially been, to me, based on how you would ordinarily operate in a 162-game season. And this, of course, is anything but that. Yeah, this isn't a question of whether this Twins team is good. That, that right, They're right. very good, as you just said. It's a question of maximizing your chances to win in the postseason and put yourself in the best position, give yourself the easiest path in that postseason. That to me is avoiding the Yankees, um, winning the division, and, and at the very least getting home field. And again, it's like, you know, people say, people look at these takes like call up Alizovic or call up Durant. You know, they say they're hot takes, but other teams around the league are doing this. Gary Boucher was in college a few months ago. Like, yep. He, now he's in, he's in the playoffs. Like, just... You know, you have to add, okay, so you have to add Alex Kirla to the 40-man this offseason regardless. So why not, if you don't want to call up a pitching prospect, you don't think they're ready, whatever, why not call up Kirilov now and, see, you know, start him in some of these games and, and see what he can give you, and he could be a, a bat off the bench in the playoffs because you have to add him anyways. But, you know, Duran and Chalmers, they're on the 40-man already. Like, be more aggressive than Homer Bailey. I'm not ripping Homer Bailey. He's a fine number four, number five starter during the course of a long season. But with five games left when he's missed basically the entire year, like what's the point? What's he gonna, what is he possibly going to give you? What's he going to prove in these five games or in this one start, I should say, yep. that would lead you to put him on the playoff roster and give him meaningful innings? It, I just, I don't, I don't understand it at all. The point is, I, I think that fundamentally, they are very much operating like this is June. But it's not. I know. I, I don't disagree. I'm not arguing with you. I'm trying to figure. I'm trying to deduct what is their thinking, and starting Bailey to me, sort of slow cook this thing. And can he come back? Is very much a move of people who are laid back, right? 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I can't I, explain it beyond that. I guess their thinking could be that they want to give some of their pitchers extra rest, and Bailey can eat some innings. But I don't know, pro- man. I, oh, I'm I, okay. I, I'm reaching. I'm reaching. Right, right, right. But what you just said too is to me the starting point of the problem. At some point in time, I believe this. If you're going to win a championship, a World Series, a Super Bowl, a Stanley Cup, a Larry O'Brien Trophy, you have to have a sense of urgency. Everything can't be about rest and recovery and no, 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 calm down. At some point in time, somebody has to say, oh, my God, we, we're going to have to do something that we don't necessarily like doing. Uh, and, the twins, and the Twins haven't, and, and, and Baldelli, in his two years now, and to be very clear, I think he's very good, okay? So, so because I get the notes, you know, if they go on a losing streak or they don't make the right moves, it's time to fire rock. Okay, no, no, no. no. He's been great. He's very good. He's very intelligent. He's very smart. But the one place where we haven't see, seen it yet is when his, to use the proverbial cliche, when his back, back is up against the wall, we have never seen him react sort of accordingly we've seen snippets of things that do that are sort of out of his comfort zone but i'm talking about something like you you're saying which by, by the way extends to falvey as well which is okay calling up this prospect might backfire but it's a, a really cool gamble like it's a calculated gamble homer bailey is not a gamble it's sort of a safe if it doesn't work it doesn't work and if it works great but it's not a gamble that, all, that, in my opinion, puts you in a position to ultimately realize you've got a chance at a championship. The example I always go back to with this is Araldus Chapman in the 2016 Cubs. Because Theo, you know, in Chicago, is very much in the same mold of, of Falvey and Levine, you know, an analytics first front office. And they all do a great job. Again, I'm not ripping Falvey and Levine. But the difference is Theo understood that you needed to take a big risk to get over that hump. He traded Glaber Torres and others for Chapman, and it won them the World Series. Chapman was huge in that playoff run. At some point, you have to do that. And I just wonder if, if Falvey and Levine's um, sort of theory on this or how they're approaching this is that just get into the tournament every year and one year, you know, you'll, you'll, the, the balls will bounce your way and, and you'll make a run. Like, just have sustained good teams rather than really going all out for it one year. And I just don't think – I wouldn't approach it that way. I think they've built a great system. Uh, but at some point, whether it's a trade deadline or calling up a big prospect, you've got to you got to take some risks, and I just don't see it. I don't see it. I love that, that example of Aroldis Chapman, too, because of this. One, they made a trade that a lot of teams wouldn't make of a top prospect to get him, mm-hmm. and it won them a World Series. And two – they abused him, which I absolutely love. They yeah. said, they said, you are here to help us win now, and we are going to physically probably do you harm, and we don't care, which the Twins would never do. But think about that. Like, they literally took this short-term guy who could, you know, he throws incredibly hard, but they said, we are going to physically abuse you. And they didn't care, and it helped them win. And so, the, but, but, but at some point in time, this gets back to, I think we brought this up on uh, Scorner Twins podcast Thursday, Jake. This gets back to you have to hurt feelings. And at some point in time, you have to make decisions that ultimately you know might not be the best for the player. But if they help you win, you can't care. 
So there is a side, and I mean, hell, I guess it's a, I guess it's a good human aspect to have, but there is a side to the twins where you have to look at these guys and say, when are you not going to care? Like, when are you going to take a pitcher, God bless him, but his contract is winding down and say, you know what, this is probably not the best for this guy's right arm, but we don't care. Um, and unfortunately, that's probably an incredibly necessary step towards giving yourself as good a chance to win a World Series as you can. Yeah, I, I just think you have so much talent that's, that's close to ready, if not ready, in, in Kirilov, potentially Belazovic, Duran. Um, you know, you've built up your minor league system for these moments, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it, there's not much time left, but you can give these guys a shot. If you feel that one of them is ready, they certainly, you know, Alex Kirilov provides more value than Jake Cave, right, with the bat. There, there's no question. So, like, why not insert him into the lineup, see if he does well over these next five games, and put him on the roster as a, as a backup outfielder and, and a pinch-hitting option? If Balazovic is ready or he's throwing well in St. Paul, then do it. Just I, I, I'm, beating, you know, I'm beating this into the ground, so I'll stop. But it's just as good as these guys are, and they're really, really good, you have to be more aggressive at some points than, they, than they've been. I just really believe that. I think you're right. Okay, so as we recorded the uh, Score No Twins podcast last Thursday, the Twins-White Sox game was ongoing, an afternoon tilt on the south side at, at that time. Uh, I think we had concluded the podcast by the time that um, Josh Donaldson stood at the plate with a 2-0 count in the sixth, I believe. Uh, Dan Bellino was the home plate umpire. The 2-0 pitch was, I think it was, was it, it was outside. Yes, It was called a strike. Josh stepped out of the box, questioned the, the call to the point where Baldelli came out of the Twins' dugout. Uh, they seemingly straightened things out. The 2-1 pitch was slightly inside. Donaldson didn't care. He swung. He homered. So he got what we thought was the proverbial last word. It wasn't. He rounds the bases, gets to home plate, and, and Bellino is standing there, of course, under the uh, guise of he has to touch home plate and I have to see him do it. Donaldson drags dirt across home plate. Bellino throws him. Donaldson goes back and kicks more dirt on home plate. And we thought then, oh, that wasn't good. Ugly. He'll probably be fined. So, because we're in the age of Zoom, Donaldson postgame Jake DePew does not, is not made available and doesn't talk. He is then put on a Zoom call, and this is where it gets super juicy and super fun, on Saturday from Chicago where the Cubs and Twins are now playing. And Donaldson's asked about the Thursday uh, festivities, to which we thought at that point in time, he'd be like, well, it's done by now. Uh Uh-uh. He doubles down and goes all in on not only Dan Bellino, but also all umpires, basically accuses a lot of them, not all, but a lot of them of not caring, that they want the game to get done as quickly as possible, that, that um, he has no regrets about dragging dirt across home plate because in Donaldson's mind, and this is true, right or wrong, so I'm speaking from what he said. In Donaldson's mind, it is up to players like him who are good players to hold umpires accountable because nobody else, including baseball, does. Uh, the, the last question of the Zoom call was from Justin Morneau, who is now an analyst on Twins games on Fox Sports North. He is, of course, the former Twins MVP first baseman who was somewhat critical, more so of responses that he had heard on the telecast on Friday. Donaldson informs, oh, and Morneau's question is, yes, and Morneau's question was, 
Could there, would there have been a better way to do what you did without dragging dirt across home plate? On the Friday telecast, Morneau had been somewhat critical of Donaldson, but more so had said that he had heard from friends, which I think is code for teammates that, that he played with, who, who basically said, that's embarrassing. It's not how you do things. Donaldson had, long story short, gotten wind of this and said, no, Justin, I got my point across. I do it again. I heard what your friends said. They were embarrassed. Well, I'm not. All right. One is um, we're now to Tuesday. Donaldson has not been suspended, which I thought he might be. He's probably been fined, which I don't know that we would necessarily hear about until it gets reported and surfaces elsewhere. Your thoughts on this entire fracas, which I must full disclosure admit in my job, I wanted to go through the Zoom and kiss Donaldson because it was so juicy and it was so anti anything the twins ordinarily do. I, yeah, I loved it. I, I really did. Like it Patrick was immature. Patrick called him an idiot. What's that? Patrick, Patrick said he's an idiot of Donaldson. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I understand that take, but um, it was, and it was immature to get, to get tossed for sure. And it might've cost him the game and it could potentially have cost him the division. And so, you know, it wasn't a smart move in that case, but overall I loved it. I really did. Like the twins need this. They need somebody who um, has that fire and that tenacity. We've talked about Donaldson all season uh, and what he brings to that clubhouse, um, you know, both on and off the field with his intensity. So I thought it was great. I was laughing when I watched it. Uh, I watched that whole um, zoom interview with him. He even pulled up statistics talking about, you know, average and OPS on different counts. Although he actually used, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he used the numbers from – he was comparing a 1-1 count to a 1-2 count, right? You might be right, yeah. Yeah, when in reality – It was 2-0, 2-1. Um, it was 2-0 to 2-1. So he wasn't necessarily citing the, the right numbers there, but that, that's beside the point. Like, he came to that Zoom meeting prepared. Yes. <laughs> and well, he, he was going to say what he said. Exactly. You're and so he right. went off. And, uh, you know, I just – I have no idea if this is true, but I pictured in the background the, the excellent uh, – uh, head of PR for the Twins, head of communication, Dustin Morris, just like with his hands, you know, in his in his head, just being like, oh, my God, how am I going to spin this? Um, and Dustin does a great job, so I'm sure he he, he spun it correctly. But um, Donaldson, was he was amazing in that interview, and, and I agree with him. The umpiring has been atrocious this year. I'm sorry, but it has. It's yep. been worse than in normal years. And, you know, I don't know. Donaldson was basically saying they don't care. They sh- he was like, they show up at 6 o'clock, they do the game, and they're gone 30 minutes later. I don't know if that's totally true. I think some, some of them probably care a lot. Maybe others are, are you know, mailing it in. But either mm-hmm. way, it has been really bad. The plate really umpiring bad. is terrible. The plate umpiring is absolutely awful. And, here's, and here is here's my, my biggest problem now. Almost every catcher is good at pitch framing. Yeah. If I was a plate ump, I would tell the catchers at the beginning of the game, do not move your glove. If yeah. you move your glove, it's a ball. You, you, are, caught, you are going to cost your pay. I, I mean, it used to be that, that it feels like five years back or so, Jake, that, that you know five or six guys could frame effectively, and the rest of the catchers were ordinary schleps, right? Now, now Ryan Jeffers gets here from the alternate site in St. Paul, and my God, he is like an artist framing. And I just think that, yeah, uh, plate umpiring in the COVID ball year has been terrible. And the other problem too, and baseball should, should have fixed this. This is the, 
their fault. Leaving Cruz to work multiple series yes. is stupid. The Angel Hernandez crew can barely function in anything, in any walk of life. So how on earth, if you're the Twins, are you getting them for seven games, correct? Yeah. yeah. Four against the White Sox, three against the Cubs. Uh, but but this story is not done. And, and he, here's where, on the Twins off day, on Monday, it took an interesting turn. Dan Bellino was behind the plate for the White Sox-Cleveland game last night, I believe, and threw Rick Renteria out and got into it with the White Sox. And Renteria, and this is, this is curious, said the exact same thing, independent of Donaldson, that Josh said, which is, there's more to it than you guys know. Mm-hmm. And on a Zoom call, Donaldson said, once I find out what I get fined, I'm going to tell you the rest. And, and he didn't name Bellino by name, but it has to involve him. So I'm very curious because it w- I would not put it past a member of Angel's crew for one second to have a complete God complex. But there's definitely more. There's definitely more there than that two-one strike. But but the one thing about the Zoom call where where I think Donaldson is on to something is so it's two zero two one bad call. Donaldson turns around to Bellino and says, "Where was it?" And Bellino can't really tell him. He's like, "Well, I." And Josh, who is wound as tight as can be, is like, "No, where was the pitch?" Rocco comes out, and I think I think this bugged Josh, and he didn't say this. But I think it bugged him that Rocco came out to sort of fight his fight. And then Bellino turns to Rocco and says, of Josh, he's just getting excited. Mm-hmm. And I think that tripped Donaldson's trigger because he's like, no, you're awful at your job. I'm not excited. I'm pissed off. So I think that there's way more here. Uh, what Josh said, what Josh did and ultimately said, both probably not smart. But the frustration to me does make sense. Yeah. And, you know, he's exactly what you were alluding to. He said that, um, you know, there's more to this. And the only thing I would say is just be careful that you don't get suspended, you know, and I don't think they'd suspend somebody for a playoff game, but like he does have to be careful. He's really pushing the boundary of how much you can say before you get suspended. And they don't want they don't want Donaldson to get suspended, but there is something going on here because you're right. Renteria said that Donaldson said that I don't know exactly what it is. It's, it's hard to say, but yeah, it goes way beyond that, that, that two Oh um, called strike. And it's just, you know, I go back to that Milwaukee game with Jerry meals. You remember that game? Good old Jerry meals who, um, I mean, who umped a hundred twins games before this crew came in. Exactly. That's and the problem. He, he really, took away a game from the twins. I, I believe that. And, and, you know, it all evens out. I'm sure the twins have won a game or two based on bad calls that they probably didn't deserve to win. But I mean, he was so bad and it's just been, it's been awful. And I just don't know how long MLB can do this, you know? And like, I get that it brings media attention. And in that way, it's a good thing for MLB, right? It gets people like us talking. Sure. Um, but, you know, at some point there's going to be a critical missed call in the playoffs uh, well, there already has been. I mean, you can go all the way back to Joe Maurer in 2009, but like, and that brought on instant replay. But like, at some point, there's going to be a big, you know, missed strike call or whatever that's going to yep. really alter a game. And actually, we saw that. I remember, in, I think it was game seven on a Grinky pitch last year in like the seventh inning that wasn't called. That was a, a clearly a strike that really changed that game. Um, it, it's so bad this year. It, it really is. And I hate to, to rip on the umpires or use it. I don't hate ripping on umpires. I hate using them as an excuse for losses because but I they got to do their job. But they got to do their job. And, and, and if a guy who, who was the 
2015 American League MVP asks you where a pitch is, you got to be able to answer the question. Yes. Like, you can't tell him, well, shut up and get back in, in the, the box. I, I mean, Donaldson crossed the plate and kicked dirt, and, and uh, Bellino's first words were, get the F out of here. You can't, in the age of COVID, I'm sorry, no matter what the player does, the umpire can't escalate. Like, you can't escalate that. You have to say you're ejected, but get the F out. Like, you're supposed to be the adult. I agree. Let I have a major problem with that. Let me ask you something. Do you think Rocco and, to a certain extent, Nelson Cruz feel pressure um, in that clubhouse to be more aggressive on this? Because Baldelli's now been tossed, I believe, a couple of times, or at least gone out to argue a couple of times. Cruz got tossed the other day. And this is very unlike them. You know, they, it, it, I don't think – I think Rocco got tossed maybe once last year in that Yankee series. On that, that Yankee play. series, that guy was awful. Yes, yes. But he hates arguing balls and strikes, and he yep. hates getting in confrontations. And Cruz is the same way. And I do wonder if they've been talking about how bad the umpiring is this year and those guys feel pressure to complain about it and, and be more aggressive because we've seen that a lot more out of Rocco in these last few series. And I wonder if that's partly Donaldson. Now that Donaldson's back and he's pissed off the way he always is and playing with intensity, and I love it, I, I wonder if there's, there's pressure on them to you know, go out there and defend their players. Because I will say, and I had the same criticism with Molitor, and I love this about Gardy, I think when your guys are consistently complaining – you need to go out there and defend them. And if that means you get tossed, you get tossed. But you can't leave them out there in an island, you know? Like, go out there and defend your guys. Yeah. Um, and and I, think, I think Rocco should do more of that. And, and maybe, maybe we're seeing the, the, uh, him turn a corner in that area. What do you think? Mm, uh, it, it's a great t- a topic. Here's my, here's my th- theory from a guy who's not allowed in the clubhouse, has no idea about the dynamics there. And, and I mean, that's, that's tough because – Ordinarily, post game, we're in the clubhouse or pregame, and you get a feel for it. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. saying that the secrets all all come out to the media because they don't, but you get a feel for how things work. I mean, there was no question uh, in 2019, for instance, that the uh, cruise dynamic was enormous, and like you saw him operate, and and you know, in home games at least, you saw the impact on Sano and the impact on that room, and I could tell you pretty clearly, hey. Here's how I think it works. And I was pretty confident at that point, Jake, that I was right. Let me throw this at you as far as what you're saying. And it's an unknown dynamic. Uh, but from Donaldson's Zoom call, I sensed this, okay? So a couple of days before Donaldson got tossed, Cruz got tossed arguing uh, balls and strikes call on Jeffers from the dugout. Yep. Baldelli got tossed. Okay. Now, I don't think it's a stretch to say that Cruz is basically an extension of Rocco. Like, they are, they, Cruz is Baldelli's guy. He controls the clubhouse, um, which is great. He's great. He is definitely a captain type of person. But he is a laid-back guy. And so if he gets upset, I think Baldelli's like, whoa, you're upset? I'm upset. I sensed it bugged Donaldson that Rocco came out when when Donaldson w- was mad about the two uh, the two zero pitch being called strike one, I I just and this is just a sense I sensed it bug bugged him that Rocco came out to cool things down as opposed to doing what you're saying, which is, hey, Bellino, this is an MVP, that's not a, a strike, and now go back to the whole Aaron Boone thing, tighten it up for him. Like if you want to call that a strike on Ryan Jeffers, fine. 
but you don't do that too. And then he gets tossed. I just had the weird sense that, that Donaldson purposely did something that he knew was very anti-twins. One, because he's wound incredibly tight, uh, but also because I don't think he necessarily felt he got the support that Cruz did. And he might be right in thinking, I deserve that. And then it defaults to your point, which is you have to know the people that are going to take things well and not well. I think if Rocco comes out there and says, Polino, that is a BS call. You guys have been a horse bleep all week long, and this is the last guy that you can call a strike on. He's got, he's got a better idea of the zone than you have on your first day. I think Josh would have been, all right, it's done now. I almost think the dirt-kicking thing followed by the comments on Saturday were as much about the Twins and Rocco's approach to it as Bolino's approach to it. I think it's a good theory. You know, I think Donaldson and Rocco are very different personalities. They're, 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 they could not be more different, to be honest with you, in terms of, of their intensity and how they approach the game. And um, So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that theory has a lot of validity to it. And I, I wonder if Donaldson is basically trying to fire up Rocco and fire up the team and say, look, this is as much my team as it is anybody else's. We're in the stretch run. And yeah, to your point, if you're not going to come out and really defend me and get pissed the way I'm pissed, then I'm going to prove a point, not just to the umpires, but to my own team that I'm in this to win. And I want to, I'm going to be aggressive and I'm going to take things into my own hands. If you don't do it, if you don't stick up for me. Total Um, guess, but. It makes it's just sense. a guess. It's just it's pure speculation, but it makes sense based on their personalities, and that is exactly what the twins need. It's exactly what they need. It's what they've needed for a long time. And you know, when you go and look at the key figures in this organization, Falvey, Levine, Rocco, Cruz, they're all incredibly laid back, and I I like that about them. It's great over one sixty two, but, <laughs> but they summer. but they need that Donaldson. Type and I well, think that's part and of this the year. Find him. Like like this is look. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the thing. Okay, the COVID playoffs. In, in fact, I believe that the Twins go into hotel home quarantine today on Tuesday. Yep. The next month is going to suck. Like it's a bubble. It's going to be a bubble. You can't leave your room. Everything sucks. Okay, except for the game. But everything else stinks. Uh, you're not going to see your family enough, if at all. I don't know. There's nothing fun about this. But if you go to the woe is me card, this is difficult. Guess what? You're going to get bounced. You're going, and this team, and I think Donaldson sees this, this team is good enough where you're going to have to hunker down and you're going to have to to lean on each other because that's all that you're going to have. And that this whole, hey, man, I'm chilling out now and -and so-and-so's getting today off for a month is gone which is why I would start with the game tonight on Tuesday. And I know it's the Tigers, but I would start with boys, the playoffs start tonight. And, and if you're hurt, you won't play. But if I'm on the fence of, wow, I really like to rest this guy, he's going to play. And, and your next month, as far as a human being goes, is going to stink. But that's too bad. And that's the one thing that I think Donaldson can bring. Because I don't think he cares. Like, I think his whole mindset um, and and we see this in different sports. I, I fall back on my sport. Hockey is a lot like this, which is the Stanley Cup run is incredibly difficult. I'm sure off the ice, it's very tough and not fun. But if you're mentally wired for it, you're, you're going to be successful. And if you're not, 
you can be as talented as you want, but you're not going to be successful. So, so I do, I think that you might be right too in saying that in Donaldson's mind, and he, he might not be right. I don't know, but I think in his mind, he's trying to set them up for the fact that they are in for the long haul. It's not going to be fun. And sometimes you just have to be an a-hole. And listen, it should be difficult. First of all, it should be difficult COVID or not. Um, this whole bubble thing, it, it, it does suck. Like, but guess what? Life sucks for a lot of us right now. And their families are allowed in that bubble. And like, okay, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but like I have a limit to my sympathy for being locked up in a five-star hotel, you know, and traveling private, um, you know, on road trips. Like, I get it. Like, it's not super fun. You want to be able to go out and do stuff. But like, the bitching and complaining about it, like, is a little much for me. I mean, there, you know, there are a lot of people that are sacrificing a lot more and have lost their jobs or, or lost loved ones or whatever. Like, it, like, yes, it's not super fun. You're used to being able to go out and go to bars and, and like, that sucks. And the road trips are stressful, but like, I don't know, man, like, you know, there's all this reporting about how unhappy a lot of the players are about the, the bubble. And it's like, if you don't get to see your family, that's one thing. Like, I totally get that. But their family is allowed in. So, like, you're, you're, you're staying in a, a super nice hotel, like, and playing baseball games. It, it, I don't know, and, man. And you're it, done in one month, bad. Jake. You're done in one month. That's yeah, it. You're done. It's over. It's, we're not going to December here. We're not going to, uh, you know, March, February. We're going in for one month. And, and look, this is why, though, at the outset of all of these years, I said this very clearly. If you opt out, that's fine with me. Right. Like right. if you say, I can't do this, I can't handle it. I've got a new kid, perhaps. Um, whatever. If you elected to opt out, I didn't say, oh, that's a, that's a terrible look. It's, this is incredibly tough. But if you didn't opt out and you chose to play, this is going to be, I mean, there is nothing surprising and i i know that the bubble thing came late which was incredibly stupid it shouldn't have but there's nothing surprising at the difficulties teams are facing you knew that you knew that 100 percent. and so and if we were going to ask them to play for four months or something i'd be like okay that's a little much but it's one month it's a race and i really believe a guy like josh is basically like yeah let's hunker down and do this and i do think that you you know like with all workplaces have some guys who are probably very talented at what they do who are like, yeah, but I mean, it's difficult. Well, guess what? It's difficult. So I, I'm going to be very curious in the next month now to see how sort of the Baldelli factor, who I think is very sympathetic, laid back, and the Donaldson factor, which is the polar opposite, how those sort of offset. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just last point on this, I'm usually very pro player in these types of things. Um, and, and I don't mean to sound like a jerk because I get it. I get it. It's difficult, but like, you're getting paid a lot of money. You're staying at, at really nice hotels. Like you got to have a little bit of awareness here. And, and to your point, you, you could opt out, you know, you could have opted out. Um, there's no crime in that. I wouldn't blame anybody for opting out for family reasons or anything else, but you didn't. And so like, yeah, if you have to hunker down for a month, like with your family, with your family, that's just not the end of the world. I mean, the NBA and the NHL, they're hunkering down for a lot longer, you know, and they didn't, I know I, I you would know about the NHL and the NBA. I know they, they didn't get to see, I think their families for quite a while. So yeah, same with uh, 
same with the uh, hockey guys. All right. The last point, the difference between Rocco Baldelli, again, getting to Rocco's approach to things, and uh, David Ross, the manager of the Chicago Cubs, because we saw that on Sunday, and uh, I think it's a pretty intriguing point. And it actually, the move that you're about to talk about, Jake, actually shocked me because I'm now so, I'm so numb to the possibility of that happening with the Minnesota Twins. Yeah, so I don't know if they talked about this. I had the ESPN broadcast muted for most of the game, so I don't know if they talked about it on the broadcast, but after the game, it came out that um, David Ross pulled Schwarber in the, in the second or third inning because he basically, uh, you know, lollygagged uh, a Jake Cave double and turned it into a triple. You know, he didn't hustle, and, and Jake Cave got a triple into the left field corner at Wrigley, which basically never happens. Um, and Ross pulled Schwarber from the game for it. He benched him for it. And I love that move. And, like, a lot of people would say, well, that's an old school, you know, move. Like, today's managers don't do that. Guess what? David Ross was a teammate of Kyle Schwarber and retired in 2016. So, like, he's presumably very pro player, very, like, in touch with millennials. You know, same with Rocco. And he pulled it. And I thought that was the right move. I think it sends a message. And Schwarber, to his credit, totally owned up to it after the game and said, that can't happen. That's on me. Um, And it just... It's just struck me that that was in very stark contrast to to Rocco, who never pulls Rosario or other guys when they make these same types of plays. I mean, we've seen, we saw Rosario make almost the exact same play. It was actually worse in terms of just not hustling uh, in that uh, Detroit series. Um, And Rocco's just never going to pull guys for that. And like, I get it. Like that, that's his, that's his kind of MO. Like as we've been talking about laid, you know, chilled back, uh, (laughs) Laid back, chill. Uh, but like, I just I love that move because it it accountability, man. You gotta have mm-hmm. accountability, and you gotta tell these guys like, if you make mental errors, not physical errors, you shouldn't get pulled for physical errors. If you're making mental errors and just not hustling or not taking it seriously or whatever, you should get pulled. You deserve to get pulled. And I loved it. I love the move. I love that Schwarber owned up to it. Uh, and I would like to see that with the Twins, but it's just not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen with Rocco. I I don't think. You think that he doesn't do it with Rosario based on the fact that he is confident it wouldn't work? Because with Schwarber, it seemed like it worked. Like, he totally got it, um, and I don't think he'll do it again. Yeah. I wonder with Rocco, and I'm not defending him not doing it because I'm with you fundamentally. I would like to see him do it. But I wonder with Rocco, when it comes to Rosario, if it's also a case of I don't think there's anything that you could do to him that would actually work, which is a very unfortunate thing to say. Well, it's yeah, it's possible. I mean, just based on discussions I've had with some Twins people, and I'm sure you've had the same, like Rosario is um, he's someone that you have to kind of tread lightly with, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you do it the wrong way, it could backfire. You know, they sent him down. If you remember in 2016, they sent him down after he made a bunch of throwing, like repeatedly threw to the wrong base, I think against Detroit, actually. It didn't work. And it didn't, it, yeah, I mean, it, it didn't seem like it did anything. So I think at this point they might just be like, Eddie is who he is. But, like, if that happens in the playoffs, like. It's huge. I agree with it's you. huge. Oh, I would bench him. I'm just saying, but but I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, is there a player that Rocco would pull for a mental mistake? No. Um, and no. I can't think of one. No, there's no, so I'm probably just wrong because, you know, Kepler, he's not going to, you know, Max has made some bad plays of late. 
he's not getting pulled. Miguel, clearly not. Um, there's probably not. There's probably I not. Think, I, I just think that goes right. against his philosophies. You know, I, oh, I, it, I just, it definitely does. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't know. I mean, it just gets back at this whole the theme of this this podcast. I feel like today and really all season has been the Twins are a damn good team. Rocco's a great manager. The front office has, has done great things. Uh, I just I think we both like to see a little bit more aggressiveness, and and Josh Donaldson provides that. Uh, but there's only so much he can do, you know. And and oh, I'd yeah. like to see a little bit more because uh, it's go time. You know, there are five games left, and this the playoff grind is going to be intense. And I want to see them just really, really go for it. I, I really do. So the Twins play uh, the Tigers as we talked about uh, Tuesday and Wednesday off on Thursday, and we will be back on Thursday to recap that series and to look forward to the uh, Reds Twin series, which will conclude the regular season before the playoffs begin next week. He's Jake. I'm Judd. Thanks for listening to the Score North Twin Show. Your dog is more than just your bestie with the cutest face ever. Get to know them on a genetic level with Embark Vet. Developed by veterinarians and PhDs, Embark screens for more than 215 genetic health risks across more than 350 breeds. It's top-notch science for your top-notch pup. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today.